0: Okay, so we're in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 and following. And we're looking at this whole business of putting Jesus first. Now, we talked about how some people are so defined by their tribe or their group or their culture or their cause that they would gladly embrace Jesus if he would first embrace their beliefs. That was kind of like the Samaritans. And yes, we have people groups that are just kind of like the Samaritans of old. They put their cultural beliefs and practices before their salvation. But Jesus wouldn't embrace the Samaritan beliefs. God became flesh. He walked right through their community, offered them his grace and salvation, and they rejected it. They wanted Jesus on their terms, not on his terms. Then a guy says that he would follow Jesus wherever. Now, that's a much better attitude, but as we saw from Jesus' response, maybe he wanted comfort more than Jesus, and we talked a lot about how much we crave comfort and convenience in our day, and there's nothing wrong with comfort, but it must be Jesus first and then comfort, and you can listen to more of this discussion on the first podcast. And then we also talked about the guy who wanted to go bury his father before committing to following Jesus. I mean, it seemed like a reasonable request, right? But again, Jesus knew what was in his heart. And we talked about how the man was likely more concerned about his earthly security than his heavenly security. And I explained that in part two of the podcast series, Jesus Before. It's on the website. It's on SoundCloud. It's on Apple Podcasts. So now we're looking to talk about the past and how that can get in the way of living and following Jesus into the future. So another guy comes to Jesus, chapter 9 of Luke, verse 61 and 62, and said, I will follow you, Lord. But there it is, that's, there it is again. Let me first I'll follow you, but first. That means Jesus, your second, never works like that. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. It is a fascinating response we need to explore. And so what he's saying is this, Jesus, I totally want to follow you, but first I have something more important I need to do. I need to go home. I need to tell my family and friends that I'm now going to become a Christian, a follower of you, and I'm going to give my life to ministry, but first I need to go back and talk to them. Now what's wrong with that? What he's asking is not necessarily a sin. I mean, it's the same thing that Elisha, asked Elijah back in 1st Kings 19. You remember Elijah was a prophet of God. He was a preacher. God chose him for to do his work and then God chose a successor to carry on his ministry named Elisha. So Elisha went to Elijah, his mentor, and said, "Can I go back and tell my family that I have I I have had a course correction in my life, and now I'm going into ministry. And Elijah says, please do. So the Bible records that Elisha went home, told his family and his friends, I'm going into ministry. I'm leaving. Love you guys. Pray for me. I'm going for it. I'm going to go to seminary, go preach and teach, maybe plant a church or do some mission work. And the Bible says that they had a big feast and that Elisha burned his plow. Now always to help us understand the Bible and the words of Jesus we put things in context and they become more clear and this is a big move for a guy in that day you're likely a farmer. You're plowing your family's land that's been handed down from one generation to the next. It's not like our day with modern machinery where you're sitting in your tractor with air conditioning and your GPS and iPilot and you say, you know, Wi-Fi. With all the latest technology, I might even be able to plow a field. But in those days, you had a team of ox that's dragging your wooden plow and you are steering the team. You're plowing your field. Now, most of us have no idea what that's like, right? Most of us carrots come from the store no actually they come from the farm and someone has to get down and dirty and plow the dirt plant the seed water weed to get the carrots and then someone has to drive them to the store where you can you can even have them delivered to your house what we're talking about here is if you want to eat you need to plow your field To plow your field, you need your plow. And when Elisha burns his plow, what he's basically saying is, I'm not coming back. There's no plan B. I'm fully devoted in my following of God, and I'm going to go where he wants me to go, say what he wants me to say, do what he wants me to do, be who he wants me to be. This is what I'm doing. This was Elisha. No looking back. Win or lose, we're in it till the end, and there will be no retreat. There will be no return to our former way of life. Point. When we follow Jesus, it's not like, well, I'm going to follow you for a little while, see how it's like, and if I like it, I'll stick around. No not what Jesus is looking for. Now, in this instance, this man may be saying to Jesus, I want to do what Elisha did. I want to go home and I want to talk to my family and I want to tell them, you know. Now, I think I know what's going on here because Jesus knows this man's heart. We've seen repeatedly that Jesus knew people's thoughts before they even spoke. So he knows what's going on. He knows If this man goes back, he's never, never going to move forward. And that can be a problem for a lot of people today. J.C. Riley, he was an Anglican bishop in the 19th century. And he said, Those who look back want to go back. And it's true. Remember the story of Lot's wife? Yep. Don't look back, the angel said. Don't look back. But she looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. See, it's not a problem to look back at your life and say, boy, that was a wreck. Wish I wouldn't have done that. I need to learn from that. That's an evaluation of your life. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with looking back and seeing how God brought you through your life, your circumstances, this far by faith. But this kind of looking back that we talk about here, looking at the past, is with a longing. And that can be dangerous. I mean, this is what the Israelites did. They were in bondage and slavery in Egypt to Pharaoh, who thought he was God. For 440 years, he tormented them, he beat them, he killed them. He was bad to them. God liberated them. They're walking around in the desert, and what do they do? They complain. Ah, you remember the good old days in Egypt? Yeah, man, Egypt rocked. I miss Egypt. Really, you were a slave. Yeah, but at least we had food to eat, not like in this desert. Wow. It's good to look back on history in order to not make the same mistakes and learn from it, but there is no going back to the good old days. Sometimes in our life, when we experience troubles or obstacles or difficulties, we want to go back to a better time. We're all guilty of doing this. How often when things get difficult, the good old days? We do that in our personal lives? Oh, I long for the days when I was healthier. I long for the days when life was easier. When my family was closer. I'm sorry. Guess what? There is coming a day when you will be healthier. There is coming a day when you will be reunited with your faithful loved ones. It's called heaven, and it's in the future. Do you believe that? We also like to look back corporately as a church. Oh, remember the glory days of the church when confirmation classes were full, when Sunday school was bursting at the seams, when the Chute church pews were packed, the balcony full. I'm sorry, last I read, heaven is going to be packed and there will be people from every nation, tribe, language, and people. There is a huge lesson for us in Jesus' words. If you focus on the past, you cannot plow A straight line to heaven. Which is, by the way, your destiny. Yeah, boy, I have learned to love farmers. I'm a city slicker. Had my first church in a rural farming community. So thankful to God. I learned so much. So much of biblical teaching is rooted in farming analogies. And why is it important to plow a straight line? Well, let me tell you, because that is what Jesus is doing, literally. Jesus is plowing his row. He is resolutely heading to Jerusalem. Even geographically, look at the map where he is And where Jerusalem, his destination is, his mission. It's a straight line. He doesn't go around Samaria like everybody else. Straight on with the mission God has given him. He's got his hands to the plow. He's got his face to Jerusalem. And he's just pressing forward to the cross. He's not looking back. He's not saying, boy... You know, I remember the days in my father's carpenter shop when I was younger, my life was easier. I remember when I didn't get criticized. I remember before I started preaching and teaching publicly and casting out demons. Boy, those were the good old days. He doesn't look back at it. It's forward to the cross. All for us. And Jesus plows his row in a straight line. And he picks up this analogy and he he says, your life is like a field. God has apportioned to you a row to plow. And you need to put your hand on the plow and you need to set your face toward the new Jerusalem heaven. That's your future. That's your goal. Your goal is not in the past. I'll say it again. Your goal is not in the past. Leave it behind. And I'll tell you, a lot of your sins are in the past, aren't they? And they've been forgiven. And you need to leave those in the past. And don't let the sins you committed or the sins others committed against you Don't let them determine your future. You leave them in the past where they belong. You have a glorious future with God in heaven. No matter how good your past was, I guarantee, Jesus guarantees, your future will be a way better So don't wallow in the past. And what is Jesus doing right now? What is he doing right now? He has ascended into heaven to what? To prepare for us a place. And just like he plowed a straight line right into heaven, we need to plow a straight line, beeline it right into the new Jerusalem and not get distracted and definitely not look back. Eyes forward, hands on the plow, feet always moving, working hard, doing our best till we see him face to face. And what he says is, if you don't do that, you'll take your hand off the plow, you'll stop plowing or you'll look back. And what he says is you can't plow a straight row looking back. You can't. It's a great analogy because it's absolutely true. Well, I could have married that person or I could have done that. Boy, I could have had that. I could have enjoyed that. I could have, you know, if I lied or cheated or stole or was a little dishonest, I could be rich. That kind of talk is being what the Bible calls double-minded or conflicted. And some feel that. It'd be like trying to drive home from church looking over your shoulder the whole time just to see if this farming principle is really true and timeless and as the airbag deploys and jesus shakes his head at you because you'll face him face to face you realize you know this is a timeless principle i can't go straight and forward And I can't live a productive and fruitful life if all I do is dwell in the past. I can't do it. Now, maybe you feel comfortable or secure in the past. Here's the thing. Jesus is not in the past, is he? Where is Jesus? He's with us now, and he's leading us into the future. And our comfort and security is where? It's with him. We are people who have a glorious future. And I'll close with this, and I think this is interesting. We don't know what these men did with these revealing and strong words from Jesus. We don't know. It doesn't tell us what they did. Did they choose their tribe, their comfort, their security, or their past over Jesus? We don't know. It's as if Luke leaves the question hanging. We have to answer it for ourselves. Will I follow Jesus first, right now, no looking back? Is there any place I'd rather be than with Jesus? That's a good question. And as I studied this passage this past week in order to present its teaching to you, I could not help myself Looking back, I am so glad God got hold of me when he did. I am so thankful for my formidable years when good habits were formed in me and I didn't get into too much trouble, too much. I am so thankful for the road that God took me on and the experiences that I had and the people that I've met and that have helped grow me and my faith and kept me on the straight and narrow. I'm so thankful. I'm so glad that God developed in me a love for the Bible, a habit of not missing church, a love for God's people and a focus on his mission. I really look forward to heaven and all the things that I will get to do there that I didn't get to do here and now. Now let me share something that helps me understand this following Jesus and putting him first. See, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he's calling us to follow him home where we belong. And that is with our heavenly father. He's calling us to follow him home. Home is not the past, home is with Jesus in heaven. And in order for us to get there, it's true, it's not going to be easy. And we will have to go through death, likely. We still will have to face disappointments and discouragements and trials and temptations and disease and sickness and sadness and yes, even death. We will and we know that, but we know there is no other way to get there. And we also know that there is no other way to overcome these obstacles than through his power. You see, when Jesus says, come wholeheartedly follow him, and here's the thing that really helps me, I remember that he has traveled this road before. I'm not afraid because he has traveled this road before. He has overcome all these obstacles and distractions for me. He has stayed the course for me. He has triumphed for me. He's been there and he's done it all for me. And now he lives and reigns forever in paradise. So when Jesus calls me to follow, it's not about me, it's about him. He's done it all for me and he knows everything and he knows where he's going and it's where I need to be. Why would I follow anyone or anything else I will be absolutely fine. He has made it so. If we struggle with this whole idea, can I or can't I follow Jesus? Maybe it's because we're not used used to having confidence in our own leaders. Our leaders today almost always disappoint us. They are human and they are sinful. Jesus, however, is God. And when I think about who he is and what he has done, I cannot help but want to follow him wherever he leads. He's a perfect leader. And I want to do whatever he tells me to do and say whatever he tells me to say. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you on this wonderful day that you give us to rest and worship you. I thank you that you have saved us from ourselves. I know that apart from you, my life would be one really crooked row with little fruit, all of it bad. But because of your grace and your mercy, the row is much straighter than it would have been. The harvest is much greater than it would have been. And the fruit is much sweeter than it would have been. I pray that you continue to help all of us, put you first in our busy lives. Help us not to get distracted. You've given us a mission, you've given us a goal, a home to look forward to. That we would not be committed to our tribal beliefs or causes above you, or our comfort, or our security, or our past. But through your word and spirit working in us, we would be committed to you, and that would mark our future. I ask for this grace in your good name. Amen.